0: I mean, like really uncomfortable and you couldn't get out of the situation. You know what I'm saying? Uh, That happened for me. Probably the most uncomfortable moment I ever had was in 2008. I was on this missions trip, which is always a setup, right? It's like, oh, no, what happened on the missions trip? I'm going to Cambodia, um, and we left the city, and we're going way out into one of these villages. And we're way out there in the village, and on the drive out, the missionary is saying, hey, uh, and he's prepping us, and I'm with my youth, my, the teenagers, and he's prepping us. He's going, hey, just to let you know the culture there, uh, the men and women are not publicly affectionate. And so guys don't hug a lady. Girls don't hug a guy. In fact, don't hug each other. There's, there's just, It's, it's going to really be a negative thing. They don't do that privately. They'll do that, but publicly they don't. But he said one thing that was a little interesting. He said the men are very affectionate to each other. He said, so you might see guys walking down the street with their arm around each other or holding hands. They're just best friends. Like that's what, that's what's going on. He said, somebody might even come up to you and hug you for a while or or put his arm through your arm. They're very affectionate people and you just gotta just gotta roll with it. And so I'm 23 years old and I'm going, okay, I'm not like I, I'm not like super afraid of affection but I'm not like Charles Garden or anything, right? I'm not like on that side of it, but I'm not afraid to like get a hug in. In fact, I'm all about the bro hug, and you guys know this. I probably gave it to you this morning where you, you do the handshake first, you pull them in, and you, you pat them. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The bro hug, or I even taught my son and his friend that. I was trying to like, look, this is what you do. You just, boom, you bring it in. I'm all about that. I'm not even afraid. I'll do the double-armed hug, right? I'll go all around as long as there's not lingering right? <laughs> Once there's lingering, it gets uncomfortable. It doesn't feel, you don't want to stay there too long. It's uh, how long does this go for? And so back to Cambodia, we're, we're doing ministry and everything's going good. And I had met people and all of a sudden uh, the kids start to do the service and they're up and the students are up there and I go and I sit down and I'm watching the kids do the service. And all of a sudden one of the, one of these Cambodian men come over, one of the villagers, they come over and they sits right next to me. And he puts his head on my shoulder, just like that. And I was like, oh, "I, I think I'm good there. Like that's, that's good there." And I'm like, "This is interesting, just kind of doing." And then all of a sudden, and this, this just shows how unaffectionate I am. He took his arms and he wrapped them around my belly area, right here, and we just cuddled for like 20 minutes. <laughs> And it was the most uncomfortable thing that I had ever walked through. And I'm looking at the missionary, and I look over at him, and I give one of these looks at him like, yo, help me out. Like, do you, I need, and he's like, no, don't move. It was so, so uncomfortable. Um, Every time Jesus showed up, someone was uncomfortable with the way he lived, or the decisions that he made, or the things that he taught. And he was fine with that. Jesus knew who he was. He was establishing a counterculture. He was like, look, I want you to think differently and in turn live differently. I know you've been taught one thing, but I'm here to show you what God really wants of you. And every time he spoke to large groups of people, he constantly invited them to move out of the crowd and to follow him. To not just stop at listening, but to really put his teachings into actions. In fact, he would at one point talk about how wise a person was. If they put his teachings into practice, he would say it like this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. Everybody say, "Does does them. Will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That knowing things and doing things are a whole lot different, aren't they? They're two different things. Have you ever met somebody who just knows everything? Like you can't get two words out of it. I know, I know. And you're like, well, did you know? I know, I know, I know. And And you're like, you know, why aren't you farther along in life, right? You know everything. Like, you can't be taught any, It's because they've never put any of the stuff that they know into practice. It's the same with some of us and our faith. It's like, you know a lot. You don't do a lot. You know the things to do. You just don't do them. You stopped at hearing the words of Jesus. You're, you're still part of the crowd and, and And over throughout this series, we, we said it like this that if you do that, a gap starts to form between what you value and your behavior. and, and you start to you start to value one thing and you, you you have these values and it's supposed to inform your behavior like I know what Jesus wants me to do, and it's supposed to inform your behavior, but the things that you actually do Aren't what you say you value. And and before you know it, a gap starts to form between those two things, and your behavior doesn't line up with your values. And in fact, your behavior just starts to inform your values, and you start to live your life that way. It's like I I say I value the things Jesus is telling me to do, but I'm really doing the opposite. Can I tell you, it's time to do the words of Jesus? It's time to be a Disciple. And for me, it's been so awesome to see so many of you throughout this series say, Man, I want to step out of the crowd and I want to follow Jesus. I want to be his disciples. I want to put it into action what he's telling me to do. We're in part four of this series titled The Way. Of Jesus, and we've been looking at probably his most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus starts it off with this beautiful map at the beginning of this sermon. He says, "Look, if you want to find me, if you if you want to know what I'm all about, this is it." And and he kind of flips everything upside down. And this is what he says in the beginning of this Sermon on the Mount. He says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit." for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus shows us this beautiful picture of what it means to follow him, that this is what my followers look like, that this is how they they act. And then he gives us a reward. He says, and there's a reward for living these ways, for doing these things. And today we're going to look... at two different ones. And, and the first one is this, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And a couple verses later, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, I think these two verses actually fit together. We're going to look at that at the end. We're going to see how these two actually go together. But first, I want to look at verse 5. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the the meek. When you, when you first hear this, blessed are the meek, doesn't it have, I mean, for us, for me, it, it has sort of a negative connotation, right? Blessed are the, the meek. Like, I don't want to be meek. When I think of meek, I think of weak, right? I think of small, not very strong, maybe a pushover. It's like, I don't really want to be any of that. I don't really want to be meek. The problem is that in America, the, the word meek, it kind of got tied to this negative thing when in fact, it's, it's so much different. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. In fact, it's a form of humility. It's a, it's a quiet confidence. The best definition that I heard was it's, it's power under control. It's power under control. A meek person trusts and follows God's plan and purpose. The things that he wants to carry out. The meek kind of sit back and go, I'm so confident in my heavenly father. I'm going to do what he's called me to do and go where he wants me to go. And I know that he's in charge. They're not trying to force their own way or do their own thing or make their own thing happen. And we know that throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is really showing us the opposite of what the world says is important. He's kind of showing us the opposite. And the opposite of meekness, the, the best one that I found is aggressiveness. It's, it's aggressiveness. And maybe you're like, wait, is that the opposite of meekness? When you think about it, it is a meek person sits back and trusts God's plan, but an aggressive person takes things into their own hands. They do what they want to do. They're trying to figure their thing out. You take what you want. You don't ask. In fact, you use your power and authority to serve yourself. The best illustration that I could find that kind of explained this, it came from one of my favorite movies of all time, and that's this person right here. You guys know who this is? It's Biff, Biff Tannen, right? This is the part of the scene where he's like, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? You guys remember that? And the guy's like, it's leave, you moron, right? Like, what are you doing? This is is Biff. Biff took whatever he wanted. He was domineering. He was in charge. He was loud. He was big. He had a a crowd of guys that followed him. He demanded respect, right? It's like, I'm going to get what I want. This is is my situation. The world tells you this is how you have to live if you're going to make it. You want something, you take it. You, you don't wait around. One of, uh, A new phrase that's been going around for a few years, and I absolutely hate it. It's like for guys, it's, you have to be an alpha male. Have you ever have you heard this term? You, you got to be an alpha male. You're a lion, not a sheep. You, you don't sit back. You're a lion. You take what you want. Like this is, this is the opposite of what God calls us to. He says, I want you to be a person of meekness in the world. It's like, no, 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 no you, you're an alpha. You go and get what you want. I don't wait for anybody. I take what I want. It's like quiet humility. Good luck, right? Good luck. I'm trying to make something of myself. I'm building a business. I'm building a legacy. I want to be great. I want my kids to be proud of the kingdom I've built. And that's the problem right there. You're building your kingdom Your legacy, your future, your plans. Can can I tell you, as a disciple of Christ, that goes away. And and I'm not saying it's bad to make money or, or bad to run a business or bad to plan for your future or bad to be wealthy. Those things are good, and God uses them. But at the end of the day, we're called to build God's kingdom. That's what we're called to do as disciples of Christ, not our own. And it's interesting. It's so interesting because Jesus is saying, when you live as a meek person, you don't aggressively take for yourself. You don't take what you need and take what you want for yourself. But with humility, you follow Christ and you build his kingdom. And you know what your reward is? And it's so interesting. He says, if you're a person of meekness, you know what your reward is? You'll inherit the earth. Now, it's, he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. When you're meek, when you're a meek person, you're able to put things in their proper place. You're, you're able to put things in, in the right perspective because your trust is in your heavenly Father, not your success. This word inherit, I love it. It, This word inherit, it means given to or passed on to or handed down. One day, I want you to think about this. One day, you and I as followers of Jesus, we're going to inherit the earth. And it won't be because we took it by force. It won't be because we're like, I I got that. I took it by force. This is mine. It says we're going to inherit. It will be given to us. That's what an inheritance is is and it comes down to who you are and whose you are nobody gets to inherit the earth just because they take it from you in fact uh, just a funny story at my birthday this past year in December uh, they were singing happy birthday and everything was good and the candle was lit and I was getting ready to blow out the candle and make my wish right and my niece Kenna jumps in front and blows out the candle really fast and I was like What's up? And she's trying to steal my birthday wish. And I'm like, you can't steal a birthday wish. Two reasons. One, they're not real, Kenna. They don't really exist. And two, it's my birthday. It's not yours. So I just relit the candle and then blew it out, right? She can't take it. It's it's mine. It's, It's mine to begin with. And this is what... This is what happens. This is what the world does. They try to take something that isn't theirs. But if you're meek, it doesn't matter. It, you understand what I'm saying? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. You've been promised something, and no matter how hard life gets how frustrating this world can be other people seem to be getting theirs faster than you are and you're like well what, what about that God and look at that person it just seems like just let me remind you you're going to inherit the earth you're going to inherit the earth if you continue to follow him and your reward is great a couple, of, a couple of verses down, Jesus continues, and he goes into the next part, Matthew 5, 9. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. And I love this part. Peacemaking is very different than peacekeeping. I don't know if you realize that. Peacekeeping is you're trying to avoid conflict, right? You just, just got to keep the peace. I just want to make sure everybody's good. I'm just trying to keep the peace. You, you really, you're hiding. You might even have to hide your feelings or your thoughts. You're just trying to make sure nobody gets mad. You don't want to make sure anybody gets mad. You're just trying to keep the peace. You're not making anything. Really, you're just avoiding. You're just avoiding things. If you have to avoid something or someone to keep the peace, can I tell you, it's not real peace. Peace. You're just trying to avoid it. If you've ever thought, I better not say anything, they'll just be mad, uh, I just want to keep the peace. Meanwhile, they're making decisions that hurt themselves or hurt other people, or they're heading in a direction that you know this is not going to end well for them, but I just want to keep the peace. I, just wanna, I don't want them to be mad at me. You may be keeping them from getting mad in the moment, but you're not being a peacemaker you're not being a peacemaker he says blessed are the peacemakers you know what a maker is it's when you do something it's it's to do something it's doing peace it's making peace it's bringing peace to other people's lives and the way you do that it's real simple is you lead others to the prince of peace That as followers of Jesus, this is what we're called to do. He says, you're called to be a peacemaker. And the way you make peace is you lead others to Jesus. You lead others to the Prince of Peace. Jesus did this on a regular basis. Every interaction he had with people. I mean, you read the New Testament and you read Jesus' ministry on earth. He spoke truth into people's lives with grace. He spoke truth and he would end up bringing peace to every single person person uh, one of my favorite moments that Jesus had is this woman at the well and she she comes up she's an outcast to her community she doesn't know who she is she's all lost in her mind and Jesus basically takes a moment he offers grace to her and says look I've got something for you that I've got some living water that's going to change your life forever and it does And in a a moment, her interaction with Jesus changes everything. As she's searching and trying to figure out how to find peace in her life, he introduces her to himself, and he changes her direction. He brings peace, and he doesn't lie to her, and he doesn't say, "Well, I'm not going to tell you the truth. He speaks truth into her life and brings peace. We're called to do the same as Jesus. And what I I love about this is when you and I are peacemakers, when we do this, we're actually living out our identity and who we are. Check this out. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Did you know that you and I as followers of Jesus are the sons and daughters of God? That, That we're actually his children? Like that's our identity. We're called to make Peace, speak life, have tough conversations that nobody else is willing to have with with grace and truth, that we're called to speak grace and truth into people's lives in order to bring peace into their hearts. In fact, we're never more like God than when we take the wholeness and completeness we have in him into a world that needs it. There are people who are hurting They're lost. They're dealing with depression and anxiety and unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and hatred. And they have all this conflict in their lives. And they don't know what to do. And they don't know where to go. And they don't have the answers. Can I tell you? The answer is Jesus. That's the answer. That's that's what it is. And we're called to bring him to the world And and some of you guys are like, okay, John, I hear that, I get that, but I can't be a peacemaker. I love God, I follow him, but I don't have peace in my own life. I'm just dealing with too much stuff. I don't feel like I can help others. Can I tell you, you're a little bit right. In fact, you can't be a peacemaker until you experience peace in your own life. Notice I didn't say you can't be a peacemaker until everything is perfect in your life or everything is worked out in your life or you don't have any mess-ups or conflict in your life. I said until you experience peace in your own life, it's because life is never going to be perfect. You're never going to have a season where you're not going through something or or having something difficult or struggling with something. You're going to have hard things in your life. You're going to have conflict. In fact, Jesus told his disciples this when he's talking to his disciples about the future. He tells them some pretty tough things. Like, look, you guys are going to walk through some pretty tough things. There's going to be some pretty hard things that you have to go through in life. And in John 16, he says, but I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. That in the midst of all of the tough things that you go through in, in life and that you face in life, you can still have peace In the midst of them, in the middle of them, he goes on, he says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You're going to experience tough things in life. You're going to walk through some tough things in life, but you can still have peace in the midst of them. In the middle of them, you see, here's, here's the truth with what you're, what you're facing. Your problem isn't a peace problem, it's a control problem. It, it, it's you're wanting peace in your life and your situation without giving up control to your Heavenly Father. That's really what, what's going on. You're not fully trusting your Heavenly Father. And some of you guys are like, guys, God, God, I want peace in my marriage. Right, I want peace in in my marriage, and you're just crying out to God, and you're like, God, I just don't know what to do. And I need, and God's like, okay, uh, you know, what? let's start here, and you read a scripture verse, and it says this: We'll submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another, and it goes on, and then it goes on, and talks about how a a woman should submit, and then it goes on, and talks about how a man is supposed to submit. He's like, "Look, I want you to submit to one another," and you're like, "Okay, God, I, I didn't like my part that much, but the other part, that I think that God just letting you know, if you could get them to do their part, I think we'd have peace in our marriage, right? I think if you could, and God's like, and you're not wanting to give up control." of your part and what you think is going to fix the situation. Or maybe you're like, God, God, I need peace in my life. I've got this emotional pain. This person really hurt me years ago, and I just can't get over that. Could you just heal my, heal my heart? I, I need healing. And God's like, okay, and he gives you this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. He's like, you, you, want, you want healing You want healing from that emotional pain, from that thing you're walking through? Forgive. Forgive. And you're like, you know, that sounds good, God, but I don't don't know. And you're like, I just kind of want the pain to go away. And you just continue to turn to drinking or to drugs. And you continue to go down that road to just numb the pain. You're like, I'm not willing to let go of control and the things that I think is the best way to walk through this healing process. I'm not ready to do that. I just want peace in my life. And God's like, this is how you do it. You gotta do what I'm telling you to do. Can I tell you, you won't ever experience God's peace in your life until you give up control. Some of you think you know better than God. But the, re- but the results speak for themselves, don't they? You keep going and coming back to the same situation that you found yourself in the month before. The results speak for themselves. You've tried your way and you still don't have peace. Uh, my, my wife bought me um, one of those meat thermometers that you put in to check if the meat's done. <laughs> Uh, And I was kind of offended, like any good grill master would be, right? And uh, I am kind of like, you know, big deal at my house when it comes to like grilling chicken legs or steaks or anything. I'm like, I am the best. I'm way better than X is. My son, who's nine, and and like, and so she gives me this thermometer and she's like, hey, and I'm like, what is, what is this? And she's like, well, you put it in, and it tells you the temperature and when the meat's done. And I'm like, you go with your gut, babe. Like, that's how you grill. I can look right at a piece of meat. That's done. Or no, that's not done. I know when it's done. I know exactly when it's done. Just by looking at it, just by my feeling. But unfortunately, I did not. Because every time she got her food, she'd be like, can we cook this longer, <laughs> right? Um, and so I... I had to start using it a different way and it worked. I'll just be honest, it worked. I, I get it perfect like every time now, like right to the perfect temperature that she likes it, that she likes it at. There is a better way of doing things in your life, guys. There's a better way, but you gotta let go of your way. You, you gotta let go of the control that you think you've had In your life, well, no, this is the better way. And God's like, no, this is the better way. This is going to bring peace to your situation in your life. Use these tools. Use this in your life. There's a better way, a way that brings healing and comfort and peace. But you have to give up your way. You have to let go of your way, and you have to pick up his way. He's the prince of peace, and he wants nothing more than for you to trust him. In everything, in everything. Once you find peace through him, it's so beautiful, you're able to bring peace to others. And this is what he's called you to do, to be a, a peacemaker, a peacemaker. You're able to bring comfort to others or healing to others, salvation to others. Because you found peace, you're able to be a peacemaker to the world. And I, I love this. Let's just go back over it. He says, blessed are Meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now I I told you that I thought these two work together, and I think they do, and I think this is this is kind of what I see. Excuse me. God wants to bring peace into the world. This is what he wants to do. Jesus is the prince of peace. He wants to see peace around the world. He wants to bring peace into people's lives. Like this is his mission. This is his plan. This is what God is all about. Meek followers of Jesus don't push their own agenda. Meek followers of Jesus are people who go, God, I want to be what you're about. Your kingdom come your will be done. Like, my stuff can wait. God, whatever I have in my hands, I want to use it to accomplish what you want me to accomplish. I'm all about your purpose and your plan. You can't be a peacemaker unless you learn to be meek. This is what, this is what I really feel. You can't learn to be a peacemaker if you're aggressively <laughs> moving through trying to bring peace. He wants you to be meek. He's called you to be a meek follower of Jesus. I want to close by asking you just two questions. And the first one is this. Would the people around you say that you're a person of meekness? What would your family say? Would your family say you're a person of of meekness? What about your friends or the people that you work next to on a regular basis? If you're an employee or an employer, like, are you a person of meekness? And if you're like John, I don't know what they would say. I want you to do something. Ask them. Ask them. Hey, do you think I'm a person of meekness? Define meekness, right? And if you're like, no way, I could never ask the people closest to me if I'm a person of meekness. Oh, no, I just couldn't do that. Can I tell you, you probably have your answer. You probably have your answer. If you're too afraid to ask people if you're a person of meekness because you're afraid of what they would say to you, you probably have your answer. A follow-up question is this. If that's the case and you haven't been... a Been a person of meekness. Is is there someone you need to ask for their forgiveness? Is is there someone you need to go to and go, man, I've been pushing my own agenda. I've been aggressively trying to get what I want. I've been aggressively trying to make what my plans and my things happen the way I want them to happen. And would you forgive me? Is there a person you need to ask forgiveness from today? The second question is this, is there an area of life that you need to relinquish control, you you need peace, but you 've been doing it your way for so long like you there 's a relationship or a friendship or a marriage or there 's a situation at work or, or whatever the case is, you need healing or you need to get through some stuff that people did to you you 've been trying your way for so long, and it hasn 't been working, is there? Is there something that you need to relinquish control of and go, okay, God, I want to trust you. I want to do what you've called me to do because I want peace in my life in this situation. I want to be able to be a peacemaker down the road, God, and I feel like you need to do some healing here. And I've been trying my way for so long, and it's not working. Is there an area you need to relinquish control? And if there is, the follow-up question is, is, is this. Who do you need to tell And I think this is the biggest part to this question because if there's something that you need to relinquish control, if there's an area that you've been searching for peace and you just can't figure it out and you just keep it between you and God, what's probably gonna happen is you're just gonna continue on that cycle. You need to find someone, go, hey, I've been trying my own way to find peace for so long and it's not working. I need your help keeping me accountable. I want to have peace, but I want to trust my Heavenly Father. Today, we're going to, I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to pray, and I just want to leave you with those two things. Let's all stand to our feet. Heavenly Father, messages like this are sometimes challenging, and they hit home for me, for lots of people, but I know that you love us enough to speak truth and life into our hearts. God, you care about us and you want us to be people who are bringing peace to the world. And so I just speak to each and every person. God, maybe they're here and they're struggling. They're like, man, I've been aggressive. I've been trying to figure things out on my own. I've been trying to do it on my own, but I don't want to do that anymore. God, I pray that you'd help them to trust you. I pray that you'd help them to trust you in each and every situation in their life. God, we love you so much and we give you all the praise in your name. And everybody said, amen. We'll see you guys next week. God bless.